love you guys. Now I'm ready. Now I'm ready. All right, guys. I, uh, I'm excited to get to share this morning. I, um, I've got, <laughs> got two references up here. I've got my Bible. I got my iPad, so we're ready to go. Um, so, okay, so this, in the last few weeks, we've been talking, you guys have been kind of paying attention and tuning in, we've been talking about shepherding a lot. We've been hearing a lot on this idea of shepherding, and um, this idea of like how there's a parallel, uh, I'm going to pull my head up a little bit, there we go, all right, there we go. <laughs> I just knew, I just knew, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I will do anything you say, Pastor, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I would prefer to keep it on. <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of pastoring and, and this idea, this parallel between the good, you know, the, this, uh, this, the good shepherd. I said, I said pastoring because that's the word in Spanish. Sorry. So I, I've been thinking about this idea of, of um, shepherding and the idea of the good shepherd and his parallel that we're also called to be shepherds alongside him. Um, and so we've talked a bunch about what that looks like and what does the good shepherd do and how, how, do, how does the good shepherd respond and, and all that. I want to talk a little bit about shepherding our friendships. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. I, uh, I'll be honest with you guys, just to start off, I haven't always been really good at this. Um, I actually am, uh, feel like the ground that I've taken in my friendships has been very hard-fought ground um, because uh, I, was, I was thinking too small. A lot of my life, a lot of my life, a lot of my friendships, and I've been blessed with a lot of them. I'm really, really grateful for everyone, uh, so many in this room and, and, and also um, so many in, in just in my story that I have been honored to call friends, but... I, I really do feel like that I, I've dropped the ball many times in my life when it comes to friendships because I thought too small. Yeah. And randomly, I, I, uh, I actually was, got to travel with Pastor Earl, uh, Jansen Kleffiker, and Michael Mudo um, just, I guess, it was uh, just this last week, and um, we had a great time. It was so fun to get to travel with him. And um, one thing, when I came home, I actually kind of pulled, it was Jansen Kleffiker's first time to travel with Pastor Earl and pulled him aside. like, hey, man, what'd you learn? What'd you learn? I want to hear what you learned. And he said, man, one of the biggest things that stuck out to me is how intentional Pastor Earl is with every single conversation. He said he walks into a room, he's intentional about who he sees and who he talks to and how he talks to them. He said, talking to the flight attendant on, on the plane, he's intentional, he's intentional, he's intentional. He sees relationships through a certain lens. And, and he values every single one of them. And I just feel like that you guys have shown me, taught me so much about what it looks like to be a friend, to be a good friend. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of those things that I've learned. Um, and we're going to be doing that out of John chapter 6. It's actually kind of a random place to talk about friendships. John chapter 6, verse 1 uh, is where Jesus fed the 5,000 uh, people. Actually, it's probably closer. We, we know that it's probably closer to like 20,000 people. And, um, and, and in this story, there's like some really fun relational interactions, right? There's some, there's some like stuff that kind of happens in this that's bigger than just this incredible, uh, or as big, I should say, is this incredible miracle that Jesus did. One thing I want to draw out before we even kind of go into this is this is one of the most important um, miracles that Jesus ever, uh, ever performed. 
Um, how do we know this? Well, it's, the, it's one of the yeah. few miracles that Jesus ever referred back to. When he was teaching his disciples, he referred back to and say, do you remember when I did this? Do you remember when I did this? Were y'all not paying attention? So I feel like that tells us it's important to pay attention to this miracle as well. Another thing is this is the only miracle that is in all four Gospels. And so it was important enough that everyone telling the story of Jesus said, you got to know this story. So, so, okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about this. Jesus is uh, crossing the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. We're starting in verse 1. And he says, a huge crowd followed, kept following him wherever he went. I'm going to use my Bible. I like my Bible better. Um, <laughs> a huge crowd followed him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed um, the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. So when this is happening... He's sitting. He's, he's not moving around. It's not frantic. It's not anxious. Jesus is just sitting there with his disciples. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him, turning to Philip, one of his followers, one of his guys, one of the guys in his crew, so to speak. He said, where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? I like this next part because it like gives us a little bit of a look into the, into the story, what's actually going on. He said he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. How many times is that true for all of us, right? <laughs> right? How many times God already knows what he's going to do on a Sunday, but he's testing us to see how, how we're going to respond, how we're going to stand tall, how we're going to speak about that situation. Um, he said he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked, I love Philip. This guy is like, this guy is like real, you know? Like he's legit. I like it. Even if we worked, got a little stank in his voice too. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them all. Then Andrew, I'm super glad it was Andrew that came up <laughs> with a solution. It just, it just, you know, he made us, he made us proud. He made us proud. Um, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, there's this young boy here uh, th- with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with a crowd this large? Tell them to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Okay, I want to pause there for one second. Okay, a couple things that I want to, we've, we've actually heard about this, heard from this miracle many, many times. Pastor Earl's preached, I don't know how many messages out of this, because I think, I think you love this, this passage as well. But um, one thing we've, we've heard in our church has become like almost a slogan or a part of our culture is um, that we see this beautiful picture that, you know, this idea that, that what this little boy brought was not enough. But when we bring that what we have that's not enough to Jesus, it's always more than enough, right? So, so, so we've, we, that's almost become a culture in our church. We talk about that a lot. It's just this idea of like our not enough is more than enough. I think I like, I like the, the aspect that uh, Jesus um, was, didn't want to rush past this moment with his disciples. He didn't want to rush past. He was like, this is important how you respond to the need. I think it's also important we take away from this passage that um, Jesus looked to the people that were with him to fill the need that he was hearing from the people. So the same thing is true for us. When God, when there is a need in in, in our church, when there's a need in our world, God is looking to us 
to fill that need. We are the answer to the prayers on on that on that uh, on those connect cards. We are the ones, whether it's our prayers, whether it's our community, whether it's us actually putting some skin in the game or our tithes or whatever the scenario is, we are part of that answer that uh, to these prayers. Uh, I want to make sure we're not getting we're not getting away from that. Um, there was two responses in in this passage, and, and one was it's impossible. He he brought practical answers to a spiritual problem. Practically, it was impossible. They weren't close to any place to buy food. They didn't have enough money. Practically, it was impossible. But this was a spiritual question with a spiritual problem. The, the, other, the, other, um, the other answer was, I have something, but it's not enough. I think sometimes we make the mistake of viewing um, our stretchings, our, our seasons of stretching as, um, our, as kind of understanding the limits of what we have to offer to God. Wow. When we're in a season of growth or stretching, we look at it as like, well, I can stretch this far. And what we don't realize is that just, you see this in child development, that stretching often is actually the, the first prelude to growth. It's actually what happens before growth. So, so, so actually what we're viewing as, hey, I, these are my limits. I can go to here to here. God is actually trying to help us to know, to understand and to see from his perspective that actually he's trying to grow those boundaries. He's trying to grow those, those perspectives that we have. I, I've heard this, uh, Pastor Earl say this so many times that nothing great is ever built on minimums. I speak to people every day, um, and I, I, it's my, one of my honors and privileges of my, my role here at Shoreline is that I get to talk to people all the time, and I hear this a lot. I hear people saying, um, man, uh, I went through something really, really hard, and nobody showed up. I, I went through something really, really difficult, and I thought the people that were around me were going to show up, and they didn't show up. I'm so lonely. I'm so, I feel so by myself. Where are the people that have my back? I feel like I hear this more than I hear people talk about, oh man, my life-giving relationships, you know? Oh my gosh, the way that God is speaking through my friends and the people in my world, like, like it is changing my life. I feel like I hear the other significantly more, which is why I think it's important that we understand what God's expectation of healthy relationships are. Um, I also feel I hear people also talk and, and they say, oh man, I'm, I got this small little group of people that I do life with and we do dinner all the time and we all go hang out on back porches and, and we just have this really cool, tight-knit, small group of people and that's really, I feel satisfied. You know, I feel good. I feel I feel healthy with that. I'm, I'm OK with this small little group of people. And, and I think I see uh, in both of those 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 responses. I think I see a parallel in the response that both Philip and um, and, and uh, Andrew were giving is kind of this idea of like it's it's you know, it's enough. It's fine. I'm satisfied. This is good enough. What more would I expect out of my relationships? And then you have then you have the other response, which is just really honestly, it's impossible. Right. Like this is about nobody. Nobody's got my back. Nobody's there for me. Nobody's in this with me. I'm all alone. And so I just, I just want to like talk a little bit about these two responses. Philip, um, first and foremost, um, but before I go on any further, I want to say this, that um, as we're looking at 
our relationships and we're looking at like what maybe we're hoping that our relationships could be, yeah. our friendships, the people in our world, people that are running with us, people that know us the best. Yeah. I think we want um, we want just enough. We, we're not looking at, the, at our relationships from a standpoint of overflow. We're not looking at our, our relationships from a standpoint of more than enough. Actually, the, there would be more than we need so that God could use that more than we need yeah. in other parts in the world, right? Yeah. And so I think we, I just want to have this in our brains as you're listening to this, that when, when God does something, he, he, he doesn't do things in, in your life that are going to be manageable by yourself, right? So, so, so if, if you can manage it by yourself, if your relationships are manageable, if your friendships are manageable, it's just sufficient for you, then it's probably not all that God has for you. Um, so these two responses, uh, Philip uh, didn't have anybody around him, right? That's like the one obvious thing. Philip's sitting there with Jesus. Jesus asks a question, and Philip looks around, and he's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to look inwardly. And as I look inwardly, I got nothing. <laughs> he's like, I got nothing. I can't, he, he, as, as Philip, because there was no community around him, he had no accountability. He had no people in his world. That he, he, all he could do was look inwardly. And when he looked inwardly, he felt the deficiencies of himself, right? I think sometimes when God asks us a question um, and we don't have people around us cheering us on, pushing us forward, asking, believing more for us, all we see is the deficiencies and the insecurities on the inside of us because no one's speaking anything else over our lives, right? I, I, I thought it was interesting that, that the response was when Jesus, when, when it was an opportunity, when it was a test for Philip to step into more, his response was, it's impossible. Wow. How important are our friendships, right? right. Like, like, like the, the fact that Philip being alone caused him to see the world from this perspective. Wow. How important is it that you are surrounded by people that are speaking faith into you? How important is it that you are surrounded by people that, that, that are actually seeing more in you than you see in yourself? How important is it that you are surrounded by a group of people that actually are good at saying yes to God as well? How important is it that when God has asked them questions, they've stepped out? The, the, the kind of people you're surrounded with will directly impact what you're able to do for the Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Andrew, uh, he's out there, you know, he's out there, he's networking like a boss, you know, he's passing out business cards, he's meeting the crowd, he's kind of getting to know everybody, and he comes back, he's got, I got somebody, I think it's kind of funny as a kid, right, like, it's just kind of funny, like, he, he looks into this whole crowd of 5,000 people, and his, his, his one response was like, here's a kid, here's a kid with some, some bread, <laughs> he's got a peanut butter and jelly, I don't, I don't know what we can do with that, um, but he, in all seriousness, I think that this answer is very interesting, because um, when we are surrounded with people, when we have people with us, when we're doing something, when there's more than just us, our answer to the Lord is different. When he stands up and he asks, what are we going to do about this issue? What are we going to do about this, this crisis? What are we going to do about the lack of unity in our country? What are we going to do about the fact that people do feel hopeless and alone as a result of all they experienced in 2020? What are we going to do about the situation that people are truly spiritually hungry? What are we going to do about the fact that there are, people, there, are, there, there are people that are dying, that are lost, that are sick, that are alone, that are by themselves? What are we going to do? And the people that are around us absolutely will affect how you answer that question. 
When the Lord asks us a question, I, uh, I wonder who it is that's hanging out around you and what their responses are. When you're, when you're, when you're, I, I ask a question, when you're sitting in a church service, when you're sitting in a, in a worship service and, and you feel that, that moving of the Holy Spirit on your heart to step into something new, to step into to, to maybe more, to do something that's outside of your own capabilities, what are the people around you saying? What are they offering up? Are they offering up faith? Are they offering up encouragement? Are they saying, absolutely, you can't do this, but he can? Are they saying things that, like, like maybe it does seem impossible to the human eye, but we've seen God do incredible things in the past, so I bet he's going to do something incredible again. Do they have big faith? How do they respond to questions when God asks them? I think it really, really matters, these things. I, I, I love that Andrew uh, didn't just know this kid. He actually knew what was on the inside of this kid. He knew what this kid had to offer, right? So he didn't just know this kid's name is, you know, let's say his name is Isaiah. Okay, I'll go with a Hebrew-sounding name. <laughs> his name is Isaiah, okay? And, and let's just say that, um, that he met Isaiah, he shook his hand, but there was more in that interaction than just like, I know you and you know me. Andrew actually saw something that this little boy had to offer. Another thing I thought was interesting is that Andrew didn't keep it for himself. Something that I think we do with our friendship sometimes is we look at a relationship or a person that's a potential friend and we see only what maybe could be in it for us. We see, you know, how is it possible for us to kind of hang on to these five? I mean, I'm hungry, right? Like, I got needs. I'm hungry. I I need need some loaves and fishes up in here. I mean, this is a long way to the next town. And honestly, this is God's provision for me, right? God's provision for me. But what Andrew saw was something else. He saw that what was on the inside of this kid was actually going to feed way more than himself, right? He saw that there was way more on the inside of this kid for the rest of the people that were there in that time. I love that. I really thought that was that was super unique yeah. because I was like, it's interesting that in response to Jesus's question of how are we going to feed wow. these people, Andrew's response was, "I'm gonna. I got somebody else with me. There's somebody else in this with me. Somebody else who's kind of going on this journey with me. And I'm just wanna. I want to ask that question. When you meet somebody at, at, in the lobby, are you looking at them on uh, and asking the question, what's on the inside of you? What gold is there? What treasure is there? What is there on the inside of you that you're able to actually offer up? What, what's, what's something on the inside of you that I can kind of help get to Jesus so he can do something with it? You know, do we see our relationships like this? Or we see them as a, a, a nice, safe, tight-knit, small community where, where it's just us four and no more. And we had, as long as I have these people, I have enough. Or do we see it as that the people that are in my circle, the people that I'm doing life with, have something on the inside of them, and if I can just somehow help farm that out of them, if I can help encourage that on the inside of them, if I can see them differently than just what they do for me, but how that they could actually affect the world, what would our relationships in this church look like? Would we be hearing people say, I'm so alone? Would we be hearing people saying, I feel like no one had my back in that moment? Maybe what God is calling calling us to do is to shift our perspective on how we view relationships. Last part I want to share is this, is that in in the last last few verses here uh, in John chapter 6, it says, when Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks, he distributed them to the people. After he did this, the same with the, the fish, they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told the disciples, gather up the leftovers so nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and they filled up 
12 baskets with scraps that people left from these two, five barley loaves and two fish. Um, every time I say, say these, this, this phrase, it's actually funny because I have my, voice, my wife's voice in my head because I've consistently always said five barley loaves and two fishes. Always. <laughs> always. And she always corrects me and she says, it's just fish. There's no fishes. And so, so it's always in my head. It's somewhat distracting because I'm like, it's, it's, it's just fish. Just two fish. Um, anyways, uh, but I, I thought it was interesting in this moment. I thought it was interesting that they took what was not enough and it became more than enough. It became overflow. And I think about all of us um, who often feel like maybe we're pouring out what we believe we're called, right? We know that God's got something on the inside of us. We know that, that, um, that maybe there's a purpose that's greater than yourself that you feel called. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe that's why you're tuning in today is because you have a suspicion that there's something on the inside of you that's greater than just you, that you're called to make an impact. But sometimes it can feel like in this life, that with the way we do life, that we're pouring out of an empty bucket. That we're pouring out of it. We're, 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 we're continuing to pour out. We're continuing to pour out. We're continuing to pour out. But it's not, it's not, it's not like we're full. But I, I look at this, I look at this picture, and I really do believe that this story is a picture of how God intended the church to function. I think yeah. hey, there's calling in this story. There's more, the miraculous in this story. There's the move of the Holy Spirit in this story. There, there's people getting saved in this story. There's people being fed, their needs being cared for in this story. There's leadership being called out of people in this story. There, this really is like a yeah. lot about a, kind of an allegory of the function of the church, right? Yeah. And so as I look at the end of the story and I see overflow, I just wonder if God has called us for more. Yeah. I just wonder if God has, maybe the, the bucket you're pouring out of is empty. Maybe you need to surround yourself with some people that can help you be full. Maybe you need to surround your, get in a connect group, um, get, go through growth track, get on a serve team. And maybe you need to, to, to have some people that are not just uh, wanting something from you, not just, you know, those friends that take you down paths you don't want to go. Maybe not just friends where you feel comfortable, but people actually that are taking you somewhere. People that are pouring into your bucket as you're pouring out into this world that God's called us to reach. And I think that the interesting thing about this is that is, is we see a picture of fullness and we see a picture of overflow. I want to say this statement. I want, you to, I want it to settle on the inside of you. I want you to feel it. I want you to believe it. I want you to walk away from this with this in your heart. God made you. God created you. God made you to live out of a sense of fullness. He did not meet, make. He did not die on the cross, raise from the dead, and, and, then, and then go to be with his father and promise an okay life. He promised abundant life. He promised fullness. He promised joy and hope. He did not promise anxiety. He did not promise fear. He did not promise loneliness. So what I want to encourage you first and foremost is, is that God, if you're living and you're hearing this message in this moment and you feel like you're kind of pouring from an empty bucket, can I just say that's not what God has for you. He has fullness for you. He has more for you. And then on top of that, I think it even goes further than that. He has overflow for you. But guess what? That overflow isn't for you. That overflow is for the people 
That's the, that's the thing. That's the thing is that overflow wasn't for the disciples. The overflow was for others. So what God has called us to do is to live a life that is completely full, fulfilled, abundant, over the top. And as things are trickling over the top of the edges of our lives, those that would be what we would offer to the rest of the world. That would be what we offer is are the overflow of an abundant life. And so I just want to challenge you guys. Who are the people that are surrounding you? What are they saying? What are they? What are the? How are they responding to the questions God is asking of them? What is their level of faith? Where are you taking them? How do you see what's on the inside of them? And then when you answer those questions, I want to encourage you to make sure you're surrounded with the right people yeah. to help fill you up. And then let's go reach a world that's lost and dying, right? Out of the overflow of our hearts. Great.